0: I want to welcome you to this Good Friday edition of our 8 a.m. devotional. My name is Tim. I'm with New Hope Church in Texas. Uh, If if you would, and you're on YouTube or Facebook, if you could just gravitate over to the comment sections and uh, let us know where you're from. Uh, especially if you're not from our church family. It's been encouraging to see people from all over, just joining with us, uh, who aren't necessarily part of our church family, but just joining together as believers in our Lord and and those folks who are interested in the faith, interested in believing in Jesus and just learning more about him as we do this. So go over there, let us know where you're from. That's just an encouragement to everybody who sees that Uh, also If you have a prayer request, uh, put it in the comments section. Um, I think also that we have a prayer wall that you can post prayer requests to. And those moderators who are now listening and watching on uh, those uh, platforms, if you would just put the prayer wall address on there so that uh, people can click on it if they need to, to go that route and put a more private prayer request out there. But let's pray for each other as we get together like this. I think it's just a wonderful encouragement to everybody. So what we've been doing for quite some time now, how long we've been doing this? been three weeks, maybe, I don't know. It seems like a long time. Uh, We've been reading through the book of John. And this past week, we really hit it hard in our readings, kind of moving the ball down the field here. And I want to thank Pastor Carl and uh, Pastor Jeremy and Pastor Mike, who've helped us this past week, helped me so I could spend some more time focusing and praying over my Easter message, which, which uh, I'm still working on, to be totally honest. Uh, this week, we've seen Jesus in the upper room celebrating the Passover and revealing that He is the Passover lamb. And yesterday in Pastor Mike's reading, we saw him uh, praying praying and uh, moving to the Garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, and that's uh, all happening in the evening on Thursday until late, late at night on Thursday. And now we're transitioning into, in the reading that we're going to do today, into the early hours of Friday morning, which we now call Good Friday. And uh, that's what our reading is about today, is about Good Friday. and. Guess what? It is Good Friday today, so it's absolutely perfect timing for us to be reading this. And if you if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to get it out and turn to uh, John chapter 18. We're gonna we're gonna hopefully read through John chapter 18 and 19 today, and you can follow along as we do so. And honestly, the the topic is is kind of somber today. And I don't know, man. Kind kind of like. And I don't, I, I don't mean to compare the two, but kind of like you know, the feeling in this current crisis that we're in, I'm kind of wondering where this thing's going to go. I'm just, I'm just trying to think and put myself in the, the, the sandals of the disciples. And maybe they had a lot of questions when they saw Jesus arrested. I, I know that they wondered what was happening and, and they couldn't figure it out. And we're in the middle of something right now that we can't figure out and we don't know how it's going to end. But I'm glad that in the book, in the Bible, that we know how the story of Jesus ends. We know that even though uh, Good Friday was not good for Him, and it was a tough time, the Sunday is coming. Sunday is coming. And Jesus wins. Guess what? Jesus always wins. And my hope today is that even though we're going to walk through today a very tough stretch of Scripture. Um, My hope is that we can understand the love and the total sacrifice that Jesus had for us, for you and for me. Even, Even back in our lives when we didn't have a clue and maybe didn't know who he was, maybe didn't care who he was, that Jesus still did what he did. He went to the cross and he went to the cross alone. His disciples deserted him. He went alone so that you wouldn't be alone ever so that you could be walking in the presence of Almighty God for the rest of your life, so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be saved, so that you could have a place forevermore in heaven. And that's, even though this is uh, kind of a sad stretch of Scripture, the rewards that came from the day that we now remember and call Good Friday are amazingly off the charts awesome. And so just keep that in mind today, that even though it may feel a little weighty today as we move into this, that uh, ultimately Jesus wins. He always does. So, John chapter 18, going to begin in verse 1. It says, when he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden and his, his disciples went into it. That's the the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane means press, uh, the, the Mount of Olives was right above the Garden of Gethsemane, so uh, they would they would take the olives from the, the trees on the Mount of Olives, bring them down, gravity helped them, so they would bring them down the hill to the Garden of Gethsemane, and there actually is a, uh, they found an ancient press there from Jesus' time, and there are trees there that Uh, Some people say they date back to Jesus. Others say that they're about 1,700 years old. But just let's put it this way, some old trees, and even if they are, aren't the exact ones that were there when Jesus was there, they are the grandchildren perhaps of the ones that were there when Jesus was there. And so in that Garden of Gethsemane, which means to press, Jesus was also pressed. He was also under a lot of pressure in these moments. And it... uh, it, it, it might appear from the passage that we're reading today that he didn't pray there in the Garden of Gethsemane because it says there, as we just read, after he got done praying, he went through the garden or the, the Valley of Kidron and went to the Garden of Gethsemane. But uh, when you kind of put the other Gospels around this, you can s- sort of see that he did pray there. And as he did pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, the, the, the Gospels tell us that he sweat blood he sweat blood. And uh, he did so because of his anguish, the Bible says. that The weight on him, the pressure on him was so much that Jesus sweat blood. Now, I... Uh, I know sometimes people say, well, he was God, so he had all he needed to get through this, and, and he was strong, and so he, he was able to, yeah, yes, 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 yes. But he was not only fully God, he was fully man too. Put together, don't ask me how, okay? But fully God, fully man, so the pain that he felt, or knew that he was going to feel, was absolute, real, real pain. And he knew that he was gonna be crucified. He knew it, okay? And so um, I mean, I was uh, working the other day at my house and I had a, a drill, I don't know if you can see this band-aid on my finger or not, but I had a, a, a drill gun and I had a screwdriver bit in it and a screw and the bit didn't fit the screw exactly. And if you've ever done this and you know exactly what I'm about to say, so I'm pushing on this, the screw with this drill bit that doesn't totally fit the uh the screw and as i go to power up and i start to press it slips off the screw and bam just hits the side of my thumb right here right next to my fingernail and instantly blood just started dripping off and i'm just gonna be real honest with you right now it hurt (laughs) it hurt and and that's just one little wound and if you were to tell if you were to tell me right now hey this is going to happen to you later today I would have been very anxious about it. And can you imagine uh, being Jesus and knowing that you're going to be beaten so severely that as the prophet Isaiah says, no one would be able to recognize you uh, if you were a man or a beast, that you would be so beaten and sort of disfigured and swollen and cut and bloody. And that's what Jesus knew was coming. And he knew that he was going to be hanging on a cross later that day and so as he as he prays he sweats great drops of blood so here he is in the garden feeling the pressure uh, praying for us and i got to keep moving here verse two now judas who betrayed him knew the place knew where the garden was because jesus had often met there with his disciples so judas came to the garden guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, who is it that you want? Verse five, Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas, the traitor, was standing there with him. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. And this is where, if you want to Uh, Look at another passage over in Luke chapter 22, and I think it's in Mark as well. This is where Judas kissed Jesus so that the soldiers could see Jesus in in the darkness, okay, even though they had torches and so forth, so they could recognize exactly who Jesus was and who they were supposed to arrest. Verse 7, again, Jesus asked them, who do you want? This is is after they had all fallen, (laughs) sorry, had all fallen to the ground. Verse seven, again, he asked him, who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you're looking for me, then let these men, talking about his disciples, let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Verse 10, then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it out and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Uh, And just so you know, Peter wasn't trying to cut off his ear. Peter is not that good at uh, swordsmanship. He was swinging for the guy's head, swinging for the guy's head, but got his ear instead. And I, I just want to insert here, this is not the point of this reading, but aren't you glad that we don't always hit our target when we lash out in anger and fear? That's Holy Spirit protection right there. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink from the cup the Father has given me? Verse 12, the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people. So Caiaphas is still pulling all the strings, okay? Uh, verse 15, Simon Peter and, and another disciple were following Jesus because this disciple was known to the high priest. He went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and then they brought Peter in. "'You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you?' she asked Peter. He replied, I am not, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around the fire that they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with him, warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Uh, I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I've always taught in the synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I've said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus had said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way that you answer the high priest? He demanded. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Meanwhile, Simon, Peter, was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, aren't you one of his disciples too? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Verse 28. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, "'What charges are you bringing against this man?' "'If he were not a criminal,' they replied, "'we would not have handed him over to you.' Pilate said, "'Take him yourselves "'and judge him by your own law.' "'But,' but,' they said, "'we have no right to execute anyone.' So this is their ultimate goal was to to have Jesus killed. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death that he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the King of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied, your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release one of, uh, to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. Now, uh, we can move into chapter 19, if you're following along. Chapter 19, verse 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged, which is, sounds like a, just a nondescript little sentence, but it was a big deal. This, uh, without going into detail here, cause I need to keep reading. It was painful, okay? Uh, the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe. they went up to him again and again saying, hell, king of the Jews and they slapped him in the face once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there look I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him when Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns and a purple robe Pilate said to to them here is the man as soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him they shouted crucify him crucify him But Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law. And according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't, don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, listen to this. Jesus answered him. You would, know, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the stone pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabatha. It was the day of the preparation for the Passover. It was about noon. Here's your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Verse 17. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Ah... And there there in the Holy Land, there's the garden tomb. There's a couple places where a lot of people believe he was crucified and where he was laid. Um, I tend to lean toward the garden tomb where he was uh, buried. And at the top of the garden tomb on one side, um, which uh, now has a Muslim cemetery on top of it and a, a Muslim bus parking lot beneath it, you can still see In the formations of the rocks there, uh, like eyes, where the the rocks had fallen down, like eyes, and like a nose, and and, but part of the nose has fallen down, fell down in like 1950 something, but anyway, uh, the image of a skull there, and so a lot of people believe that that's the spot because it was called the place of the skull, or called uh, in Aramaic Golgotha, and it says in verse. 18, there they crucified him with two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin and Greek. The chief priest of the Jews protested to Pilate, don't write King of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Verse 22, Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. Verse 23, when the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said one to another. Let's decide by lot who will get it this happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment so this is what the soldiers did near the cross of jesus stood his mother his mother's sister mary the wife of clopas and mary magdalene verse 26 when jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby which is a reference john's reference to himself and john is the one writing this, so he's referring to himself as the one, the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. He said to his mom, woman, here's your son. And to John, to the disciple, he said, here's your mother. From that time on, John took her into his home. Verse 28, later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked up sponge in it, put it put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant and lifted it up to Jesus' lips. When he had received a drink, Jesus said, It is finished. Which that word in the Greek uh, means also the debt has been paid. The debt has been paid. The debt has been paid. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. The debt has been paid. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be, the, be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The legs, uh, pardon me, the soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you may also believe. This is John again talking about himself. These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken, which goes all the way back 1500 years before jesus to the original passover meal when part of the deal was when you uh, killed the lamb for your family's dinner and to put the blood the original passover and to put the blood on the doorpost so that the death angel would pass over your home you didn't break the legs you didn't didn't break any bones in that lamb and uh, so jesus being that Passover lamb, even though his legs were supposed to be broken on that day, remained unbroken and to fulfill the prophecy. And then verse uh, 37, and as another says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Verse 38, later Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and he took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus. Remember him from chapter 3? The man who had earlier uh, visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. And again, I just want to restate it. That's 10 times the normal amount that you would use uh, in someone's tomb to wrap their body in. Uh, Verse 40, taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. But it was the Jewish day of preparation that the Sabbath started at 6 p.m. So they had to get this done by then. And since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. The end. for today, the end, but not the end, because if you know the story, then you know Sunday's coming. Sunday is coming and everything is about to change. Everything is about to change, including your eternal destiny and mine, because of what Jesus did on the cross, but also because he overcame the power of sin and death and rose up from that grave. Today's a Good Friday, and so today, We mourn, but we don't mourn like this is the end. We mourn for our sin that put Jesus through the pain and suffering that he went through. And at the same time, we thank God for his sacrifice, for his love, for his only begotten son, Jesus. And we thank God for Sunday. Amen. So I I can't wait to celebrate with you on Sunday. And even though in our reading today we're leaving Jesus in the tomb, rest assured He is not in the tomb right now. He is alive and well. And we want as many people as possible to know about Him and know what He did for them. So I'm going to encourage you again, as we have been encouraging you a lot lately, invite somebody to church with you on Sunday. Invite somebody to church with you on Sunday. And I'm acting like we're all going to be in the same place because we are. We're going to be online, but we're going to be in the same space online. Easter Sunday, 9.45 a.m. The lobby's going to open up a little early. How early is the lobby going to open up? 10 or 15 minutes early. I I say the lobby, we're going to start streaming a few minutes, 10 or 15 minutes before the service begins so that you can come in to that space and you can comment and we can pray for each other. It's going to be like the lobby is open and you can give high fives to other people and and, uh, invite your friends to join you in the lobby at church as well. And if you have any questions about that, if you don't even know how you're watching this today, our website is uh, newhopechurch.tv. You can find the links to Facebook and to YouTube there. And maybe our our own own church streaming site as well but you can find those links there and that's where you can see the service from as well so uh just remember this jesus did all this because he loved people because he loves you and people need jesus so let's show them jesus let's show them jesus um next week's going to be a tough week according to what everybody's saying and the briefings the daily briefings from the White House, and and uh, they say, it's going to be a tough, tough week. So, I was planning on reading some passages from Romans, beginning on Tuesday. We're going to finish John on Monday. I was going to start in Romans on Tuesday, but uh, truth is, uh, since the Surgeon General's calling next week, our Pearl Harbor or 9/11 week. I felt the need to just kind of shift gears and do something different. I'm gonna find some encouraging passages of the Bible next week that we can just, and they're not all gonna be from the same book. I'm just gonna look around. I'm gonna find something that really speak to me. And so on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of next week, we're just gonna to meet together at 8 a.m. We're gonna walk through this tough week together. Um, The best way to get through something like this is together. And the only way to get through something like this is to get through something like this. And by that, I mean just keep on going. Just keep on going. That's what we're going to do together, taking steps of faith. Listen to me. Do not be afraid. God's got this. God's got this. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, um, help us to see you in the middle of this junk that's going on, Lord. And uh, thank you for your son, Jesus, who was not afraid, not afraid of anything, not afraid to suffer as he did for us and uh, willing voluntarily to go to the cross, to take our sins, to die for our sins, to nail those sins to the cross so that we wouldn't have to, to pay the price for the things that we've done. Thank you for him, Lord. I pray God that this weekend we could see him clearly. I pray for those who don't know him. I pray for those who just think that he's something much less than he really is, that this weekend and the church services and so forth, you would make something awesome happen in their lives, Lord. I pray that you would make up the difference for those who are struggling right now financially. I pray that you would heal the sick, protect those who are uh, healthy right now, who are on the front lines, Help our leaders, Lord, to make good decisions, wise decisions. Give guidance to the researchers. Bring us back all together again as soon as possible, Lord. Until then, walk with us, Lord. I pray all of this in your blessed son's name and all the people said amen. God bless you guys. Love you so much. We'll see you next time.